Welcome to On the Cusp, the monthly podcast that analyzes the new forms of aggression facing liberal democracies and hears from the innovative people at the forefront of countering such aggression and such risks. I'm your host, Elizabeth Braw, and I also lead Ruse's Modern Deterrence Project, which studies such aggression. Think cyber attacks, predator economics, and disinformation campaigns during coronavirus outbreaks. And we propose solutions too. You can find On the Cusp wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And to learn more about modern deterrence, visit www.rusi.org slash deterrence, where you can also sign up for our mailing list. And you can tweet me too. I'm Elizabeth Braw. Many thanks to our partners at Willis House Watson for making this podcast possible. Now, COVID-19 has brought our society to a standstill. As we speak, the vicious virus has killed around 40,000 people worldwide and infected over 800,000. When Italy imposed a lockdown a number of weeks ago, first in a few towns in the north, then in the whole country, many other Europeans dismissed or even ridiculed the Italians. We'd handled the coronavirus outbreak without resorting to the Italians' desperate measures, was the idea. As I record this, self-isolating at home with my family, Germany has banned meetings involving more than two people. Spain and France are in lockdown. And so is the UK. We UK residents are only allowed to go to supermarkets and pharmacies and to work in exceptional circumstances. And Prime Minister Boris Johnson has, of course, been infected by the coronavirus too. The UK government's lockdown decision followed weeks of prevarication over what approach to take. Should we allow the virus to sweep through the country, which would cost tens of thousands of elderly people their lives? That was the initial approach. After a while, the UK government decided to restrict people's movements so as to limit the spread of the virus. And while all of this was happening, people had been stockpiling, which left shops empty and forced supermarkets to introduce strict limits on certain products. And as we speak, those limits are still in place. Two products per person, per whatever the product is. These are new times. And these are new times because we're all holed up with our families or alone. And the reality is that no government is exactly sure how to combat COVID-19. And not just because it's a new virus. COVID-19 is a contingency of a kind liberal democracies haven't experienced in decades. When was the last time you had to queue up to buy your groceries? The question is not just what the government can do to combat a crisis such as this one, but what the wider public can do too, because no government is large or powerful enough to solve a society-wide contingency on its own. Citizens need to play a role, but what should that role be? And what can be expected of citizens? And then what is the best way of educating them about how to prepare for crises and what to do during a crisis? Sweden's Civil Contingencies Agency, the MSB, has been the global pioneer in educating the public about new threats. When the MSB's Director General, Dan Eliasson, visited Rusi at the end of last year to deliver the keynote at our Modern Deterrence Conference, I seized the opportunity to interview him too. I'm particularly pleased that we got to speak then, as Dan is currently on the front lines fighting the coronavirus outbreak. And a quick note. This interview was obviously recorded before the coronavirus dominated the news. 
but insights from our interviewees are particularly relevant in the current crisis. In On the Cusp and in the work of Ruse's Modern Deterrence Project, we look at how states and societies collectively deal with extreme challenges to resilience and to national security. And that makes the work of people like Dan Eliasson so important, whether the crisis be a virus outbreak or a grey zone attack. My guest today is Dan Eliasson, Director General of the Swedish Civil Contingencies Agency, which has established itself as really best in class among contingencies, civil contingencies agencies uh, in the Western world through its innovative work involving the population. And I have to ask you, Dan, I know this is a, a question that you get asked a lot, but what about the brochure? The famous brochure that you put out last year, that your agency put out last year, if war or crisis comes, that not just that reached not just the Swedish population, but went viral, surprisingly, around the world. Um, how was it received in Sweden? It was very well received, actually. We, we, we have a tradition in our country to talk about difficult things, giving our uh, big neighbors and the Cold War. Uh, we have over the years talked about the, 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 the obligations and the expectations on, on, on the citizens to prepare themselves for difficult things. So uh, we, we did distribute a, a brochure to all the Swedish households uh, about if crisis comes or if war comes. And in that brochure, we made it very clear that it is an obligation for the individual to prepare themselves. And uh, we ex expect them to, to, to do a very important job. And they are part of the system, so to say. And of course, we were a bit nervous when we were distributing that brochure. How, how, how will it be received? And uh, luckily and, and, and very gladly, a large chunk of the population saw this as an act of compassion, concern from the government and state uh, in relation to the citizens that they should be aware that they had an obligation. And uh, uh, nearly, I think, 90% were aware of the brochure or had taken part of the content. A large majority said it had affected their thinking and their behavior. And around a quarter of the population said it, it scared them a little bit. And uh, that doesn't necessarily say that it didn't have a good impact on their behavior. But what was surprising for us, and we hadn't, I must say that very openly, we had not really considered that this would be an international news or something like that. But we were surprised when, when our Nordic countries firstly called us and said, hey, what are you doing? We didn't know that you were distributing this. Now everyone is putting question to us. What should we do? I have to go to, to big time news this evening to make an interview. What, what are the Swedes knowing that we don't know and so on. And then everywhere I went during last years, everyone wanted to talk about the brochure. So it was bigger than we had understood. Uh, and uh, I'm very glad for, for, for the, the huge uh, notice uh, that was given to the brochure, because it, it actually it contributed to make the citizens aware of their obligations. And it was also, I must say, brilliant uh, strategic communications that you communicated, not just to, to the residents of Sweden, but to the adversaries of Sweden, that uh, your population is prepared. Now, I have to ask you, do you follow the advice in, in the brochure yourself? Yes, I, I do. I would, if, if you ask me and put the hand on the Bible or whatever, I should put it on. 
if I have all the products that we have listed, no, I couldn't say yes. But I, I have differently from previous times. I have uh, more water at home and also in my summer house. I have more tin uh, canned food than before. I have a couple of extra kilos of rice and potatoes and tomatoes and so on. So I'm better prepared now than I am before. And I, I see that actually as an act of solidarity. And how, what, what, what do I mean with that? Yeah, well, I mean that this means that if something bad happens and the state has to give assistance, I don't, I don't have to stand first in line. Aid and assistance can go to those who need it firstly, elderly people, sick people, children. And, and that is my contribution. I, 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 I take care of my, myself and my family so the, 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 the aid that is needed can go to those most in need. And, and I think that's important. And I think most Swedes are realizing that this is the way it happens. Of course, my old grandmother should have a, the assistant much quicker than I, I do. Exactly. And that's something that everybody can sign up to. And it's interesting that it's a similar system to what earthquake-prone zones have been doing for a while. For example, San Francisco with its public awareness campaigns. I, for example, as a result of having lived in San Francisco, always have two now at home. So it's it's not that difficult. I have to ask you about some of your agency's other innovative projects as well. So MSB is now involved in an upcoming, or actually a total defense exercise that has just started its first segment. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is you're exercising? Who is exercising? Well, as a result of, I will be very clear on this one, as a result of Russian aggression, Sweden has uh, decided to, to reopen its total defense planning. It means that we should strengthen our military capability, the armed forces, and also that we should entrust the civilian society and agencies and individuals and organizations with the power to not only endure difficult times, but also to be able to, to support uh, the army because they need they need services from 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 the civil society and in order to to stress test our system how well it functions we have decided that we should have a huge exercise uh, involving uh, more than 400 organizations including all the 290 municipalities and we train them in different ways. And just to give you some sort of, of a feeling of what we are training, we are training firstly how to react in gray zone matters, uh, how to make an assessment on how to proceed. Should we ask the government to raise awareness, to go to heightened alert or not? That is one, one, uh, one part of the exercise. Another part of the exercise is to train the regional counties to cooperate with the municipalities, to ensure that that chain of command on the civilian side functions well. Third item would be a huge military exercise involving civilian parts, so to say. So that would be, would be the main, main uh, elements of, of the huge exercise that we will have. And we haven't had this kind of exercise since I think it's 1987. So it is well noted inside the country and outside the country. By the adversaries of Sweden. So it's uh, the whole national government and government agencies, as well as local, uh, regional government agencies and local government agencies. And uh, if I'm correctly informed, also uh, the private sector. 
some parts of the private sector will be involved, but it's, it's not for this time. It's, it's not the, the key factor is not the private sector. The key, the key actors are there now on, in, in the, on the public side. Uh, and uh, we will probably have a new exercise within a, a couple of years. That is my reading of the situation, depending also on the outcome of, uh, of the result of the exercise. But within five years, I'm quite sure that we will have an, a new exercise. And then I'm quite sure that we will have uh, uh, NGOs and private businesses involved in a, in a different way and much more, more deeply involved than, than at this stage. But, but they, uh, we are giving them a, a hint and a feeling of what is going on in a way. One of the aspects uh, that you brought up in, in your keynote speech at Truce's uh, One Deterrence Conference was uh, the just-in-time nature of basically all vital services that we rely on. How does your agency work with the private sector on a, on a day-to-day basis to limit the, the prospects or the risk of sustained disruptions in case of an attack on, on Swedish society? On, uh, in, in the 1980s, for example, when we maybe were as strong as we ever were when it came to total defense, we were a thoroughly organized country. We had food supplies, fuel supplies, medicine supplies, what have you, everywhere around the country. And then after the fall of the Berlin Wall and, and, and the dismantling of the Soviet Union, we started to dismantle the, the structures. And at the same time, we saw a reaction in society that, uh, that in order to be more efficient, we should privatize a lot of various key facilities, transport, energy, uh, communications, and what have you. So uh, when, we now, when we now try to resume total defense planning, we realize that the state doesn't have the same muscles as we had before. So we are much more reliant on, on private business now than we were 34 years ago. Now then, the government has appointed an inquiry to see how we can ensure that private business uh, shall get involved in, in total defense planning. I see two options. One is putting obligations on private business to, to for example, uh, keep stocks of food for, for a certain amount of time or, or fuel for a certain amount of time. Or another option to, to, to entrust agencies like, like ours or others to, to do huge procurements of products, storing it around the country in order to, to have the capability to, to, to meet needs. I think probably there will be a mixture of those two solutions. But, but uh, to my uh, great happiness, I would say, I, we have, of course, a lot of meetings with private business. And uh, I thought, actually, that uh, they would be rather hesitant to... to participate in discussions and, and, and uh, participate in total defense planning unless the government did put the money on the table first. But uh, I, I, I see a completely different reaction. Uh, I see a willingness to participate in the defense of the country. I see a willingness to, to, bear, to, uh, to safeguard lives and, uh, and properties in our country and values. And they are saying, the key players in private business in our country, they are saying that if something bad happens in our country, our owners, we are the owners, but also our personnel, will expect us to participate one way or the other. The question of financing, we have to solve later on, but we will need to go into that if we have capability that is needed. And, and that made me very happy. So I think that when the new inquiry comes, 
together with the attitude of private business and then the willingness of government also to bring money to the table, I think we will find some 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 very very interesting solutions uh, for 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 bringing private business in and making some kind of new element in total defense planning. That's a very interesting finding because I think governments everywhere are worried that if they ask their private sectors, their key companies to do something, to involve themselves in national security, those companies will say, well, show us the money first and then we'll talk about it. But your uh, your experience with with uh, the private sector in Sweden is clearly the opposite, that they are, they are keen to participate. And it's interesting, I think that mirrors the finding of uh, or the results of, of your brochure that showed that uh, most people are willing to do that part, which is, I think, uh, it's a finding that may surprise some people who would have thought that, you know, most people would be scared rather than uh, rather than energized by by a brochure like that. Um, to wrap up, I wanted to ask you about what sort of initiatives you're you're planning on. Your, your agency has done a, a lot of things in addition to the brochure and total defense exercise, including training government officials on how to respond to disinformation. What are your next uh, initiatives that that we can expect to see soon? I think that uh, there are two areas where I am uh, a bit concerned right now. Uh, one one area is the threat to our democracy. When we see foreign influence uh, affecting us uh, badly in some areas, our discussions on migration, on the rights for gay community, criminal policy, we see foreign powers uh, fueling divergences in our country. Uh, but we also see threats to journalists. Uh, we see threats to ethnical uh, minorities. Uh, Jews are moving out from Malmö. Uh, and that's very, that's very, very, very serious. So some, some thought of reflection on the protection of the, the, the democracy, where I think that uh, that uh, foreign influence is, 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 is a key part. Secondly, I think that there, is a, there are a lot of companies in our country and also agencies that, uh, that are, are, are having very important societal functions, but maybe are not aware of it completely. And I want them to, to be better in their contingency planning. And we are providing support to them. And maybe we will do some kind of, of campaign, uh, building on the brochure on the individual, and then recalling that brochure, and then saying, now we're going to continuous planning, and are you aware? So also bringing the businesses in, and, and the agencies in, 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 into the, this kind of uh, mindset. And that is... Uh, Probably during the winter half year, we will see something there. Very quickly, would you then share intelligence with them on, on national security threats to, to sort of make them fully aware of, of uh, the challenges that, that uh, Sweden is facing at, at any given time? As is, that, is that the way forward? As much as we can. But one of the problems is, of course, that uh, some parts of our uh, findings is based on intelligence coming from other agencies. And then, of course, generally, we don't own that information. We have to we have to treat it according to the, the conditions they are giving us, because they, you know, they have sources and they have working methods. But as much as we can uh, give, as much transparency as possible, that is uh, at least uh, my main direction for 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 the years to come. Well, uh, thank you very much, Donna Liasson, and I I know that uh, the interest in your brochure came as a surprise or in the MSB's brochure came as a surprise to you. But I, I, 
I know for a fact that now uh, many countries will be watching your agency and, and Sweden more widely to, to see what else you came <laughs> up with so they can copy it. Uh, so thank you very much for, for uh, coming in, coming over to London and, and talking to us and good luck with all these uh, new initiatives and we'll keep an eye on their good. success. Thank you and thank you for having us and me and my colleagues here. Would other countries' residents respond as positively as the Swedes did if they received a leaflet with crisis instructions? How can countries help their populations prepare for national crises without knowing what exactly those contingencies will be? Tweet me your thoughts or your suggestions for a better way of involving the public in preparedness and crisis response. My Twitter handle again is Elizabeth Braun. Many thanks to our producer Tom Ascott. We'll be back very soon with another episode and another guest who's doing pioneering work. See you on the cusp.